this is it. It's time for the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast, where you can escape the muggles in your life for almost, but not quite, 30 minutes. This podcast is sponsored by the Four State Geocaching Society and was recorded at Digital Planet Studios near Joplin, Missouri. Now let's welcome our host, Where Is It Now? Welcome to the first ever Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast. We've got a special guest in the studio today, Skeet77. Skeet, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Glad to have you. So uh, one of my favorite questions to ask people, because I know everybody wants to know, where do these geocaching names come from? Uh, my grandfather's nickname for me was Skeet. Okay. And then I was born in 1977, so I just put the two together. Aha! One of those. <laughs> one of those uh, date putter togetherers. So I see you at events. And you kind of came on the, the scene just a few years ago, really. How long have you been caching? Since 2016. 16. And whose fault is it? Well, I think Viking Chris got me started, really. And then uh, my first geocache was found in Branson, Missouri, put out by BBD1. I got gotcha. you. Well, we are going to have some fun today. I think what we should do is we should... Uh, we're going to have some great guests. We're going to have a wooden block and an interview, which I think will be fun. We've got uh, Melissa Joe from Savage, Minnesota, who's going to share a story that is one of the funniest things I've ever heard about bugs. Not the travel kind, but the crawly kind. Oh, no. Yeah. And you and I have had some experience with bugs. Yes, we have. So uh, this would be a great ex uh, uh, time to explain to people what a proxy is yes it would be well so it's the person who goes out for the geocache while the other person just kind of stays behind and watches <laughs> so who were you and who was i i got to go out and get the geocache while you just stayed behind and watched yeah i sat in the truck i i felt guilty a little bit i sometimes no, didn't. No, so, you didn't. sometimes i got out of the truck and came around the corner and peeked over to see you know, you get it. These, we should tell people, were all at the base of stop signs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't out in... At least it wasn't out in the woods. It wasn't in the jungle or anything, <laughs> right? And so, but I, that's a whole nother story, but I have not done well with bugs. So I, I thought about bugs. People are affected differently. How about you? It's not too bad. I usually go with my tactical pants on and my long sleeve shirt and put some good bug spray and... I do pretty good. Awesome. Well, I'm jealous. When I first started, I was not allergic to poison ivy or poison oak, and bugs didn't really bother me. I'd get a mosquito bite like anybody, and that was a bummer. And I had cached, I don't know how many years, four, five, six, seven years. And one day I got bitten by chiggers, which I had in the past, but it was bad. Oh, no. And they just ate me up. And ever since then, I just get out of my truck and chiggers bite me oh no i chiggers uh get me every once in a while but not too bad seriously i put on long pants two pairs of socks and i spray myself down with dangerous chemicals exactly uh, I, I put those little things for kids around my ankles and my wrists exactly rubber bands yeah. I still get bitten like crazy oh, well no. you're gonna love melissa joe's story it's the craziest thing i've ever heard over the years, she's told it to me, and, and I've gotten where I tell the story to people a lot, but it's so bizarre. We're going to hear about her terrifying fear of anything that moves that's not human. 
or a oh dog, I guess, but any kind of bug, buggy. Yeah. And what else are we going to do? We're going to have a spirit guide, we hope, is going to either call in or drop in the studio and do a little, uh, I'd like to have him come every episode and just do a little talk about his app, GeoGo, that's available on Android and some of the benefits of it. It's so expansive. It's hard to keep up with. Oh, wow. Have you ever used it? I have not used that mm -hmm. one yet. What do you use? Uh, most of the time, just the geocaching mm -hmm. app and occasionally Cashly. Okay. Well, I use the official geocaching app as well. And I did before it changed dramatically and then it got bad and then it got good again. And uh, I used the GeoGo. I bought another phone just so I could uh, use GeoGo for counties. So maybe we'll get some people on the show that collect counties. How about you? Counties? Not so much just the counties. Uh, I just geocache right now and just get any, you know, cache I can. And now states, I've been really trying to make sure that I get all the states whenever I go and travel. I have 24 so Oh, that's far. good. You do have a sickness. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay, so you've gotten 24 states since 2016. And have you, what's the farthest you've driven out of your way to get a state? Oh, wow. I went to Illinois to go to my little brother's Navy graduation. And so I was in Chicago and I went to Wisconsin. And then from Wisconsin, I drove on into Iowa. And then I got caught in the worst storm ever. And I had to spend the night in Iowa when I was supposed to be home that day. So it was pretty much out of my way. How long was that? You spent the night. So how many hours total did you go out of your way? It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. And then we took a, a trip. Uh, my wife and I, we took a trip. And we basically did 4,000 miles for the whole trip in order to go geocaching instead of just kind of making a straight line for the initial part of the trip and and then coming down to come back home. We we went to Vegas and then from Vegas we went to California in order to get one geocache across the border and so yeah I'd say I've driven out of my way a pretty good bit to get geocaches. This all sounds this all this insanity sounds familiar to me. Yes. I've driven that same Vegas to California to get that one cache and mm -hmm. uh, I, I get it you know um, these are the things we do for no apparent reason other than a we love it or B we are in, in fact insane so yeah. or both both right? I think it's both right so your wife's geocaching name is she made me cash okay and yeah. does that mean she doesn't like it? Or she does? She likes it. She prefers to do like the trails when we go out on the trails to walk and let me get a few caches. And she does not like the the random searches around the parking lot where you have to stop and go. And it's like, oh, I think it's here. Or, oh, I think it's there. And she's like, okay, I'm car sick. Take me home. <laughs> that is so funny. It sounds like my wife, whose name I named her, he made me. Oh. So, you know, we have very uh, similar things there. And the other thing that's similar between the two is that my wife only likes to do trails or things where we're exercising. Mm -hmm. She thinks LPCs are stupid. Yes. And she thinks guardrails are stupid. And if you guys know me, you know, what's my favorite geocache? A guardrail. A guardrail. Yeah. So um, anyway, so we have that in common. Um 
Well, why don't we uh, get to our guests? We've got Wooden Block in the studio. I think it's going to be fun to talk with them. Oh, yeah. I would love to talk with Wooden Block. What it, you, have you known them very long? Yeah, I've seen them at events and uh, other geocaches together, and we've done some first-to-finds together. They are sort of geocaching royalty in the, uh, the four-state area where we are. Oh, yeah. Well, give us just a few minutes. We'll get them mic'd up, and we'll be right back with our interview from Wooden Block. Well, I, we're so happy to have you guys with us today. Uh, this is Wooden Block from Southwest Missouri. How are you guys, hey guys. doing? Great. Doing great. So I'm curious. Tell, tell us how you came up with the name Wood and Block. Wood and Block. Uh, I am a woodworker, and Betty is a quilter. So Wood and Block. You know, I've seen your names on logs ever since I started caching. And even though we both live in southwest Missouri and we just live actually a couple of miles from each other, I travel a lot and I see your name everywhere. Ohio, Angleton, Texas, Tampa, Florida. Have you guys been everywhere? Just about. We're missing a few states in southwest U.S. Okay. So you guys, besides being married, uh, you share a geocaching name. You're a team. Who's the boss on the geocaching team? Who decides where we go and what we do? Well, it depends. Uh, Steve usually sets our route, but I'm the one that likes to solve puzzles and go for the more difficult caches. Yeah, I know that uh, when I can't solve a puzzle, I just reach out to you and you just always know the answer, which amazes me. Oh, now I know who to call. Have you always been good at puzzles? Well, I suppose that's just part of my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's funny because I'm good with a level one puzzle, you know, difficulty. And anything harder than that I can't do. And I see you guys out there solving really hard stuff. So you travel a lot. So how much do you travel? We travel you know, three to four times a year in our trailer. We spend... Uh, traditionally, two or three weeks in uh, New York State uh, in the fall, two or three weeks in February in Florida area, and points in between. It sure seems like you guys are out more than that. Well, you've, you've been really successful. You found a lot of caches. How many have you found? 15,800 wow, plus. I'm not sure exactly. We probably should have started there, you know. That's a lot of geocaches. So uh, if there were a 12-step program for geocaching, would you qualify? Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. Our, our children think we're obsessed with this. Well, that is a lot of caches. So how many do you get when you're out on a, on a day's trip? Uh, at one point during the MOGA event in... Uh, Manhattan, Kansas, we had 212 in the day. Wow, that must have been a really long day. We stopped for lunch. We stopped for lunch, <laughs> and that's about it, yeah. <laughs> oh, recently, just 20, 30, 40. Uh, but those are slow days. <laughs> yeah. So, do one of you tend to go into the bush more than the other? I probably would. Uh, 
go more into the bush or climb the tree or whatever uh, more than Betty, but but she does like to get out there too. So. Tell me, I, I, I'm really curious. I remember my first geocache like it was yesterday, and it wasn't that many yesterdays ago. But tell me about your first geocache. Where, where was it? That was in Web City. We went to find the virtual cache in Web City, and we did we start out, we were thought, well, we won't need to go to the actual cache because we know all there is to know about Web City. And we started working on it, and then it's like, oh, no, we're going to have to actually go to the coordinates. <laughs> and it was the virtual at the the King Jack Park, the miner, and so forth. The cache we're talking about is GC9, B as in boy, 09. Uh, Web City, in a nutshell, is the name of the cache. It was hidden in October of 2002 by the teacher who has since passed her uh, widow, Baron Driver, an avid geocacher from Wichita, Kansas, still maintains the cache. Uh, you guys found it in 2011. I read the log. It's a pretty neat piece of history. Um, so in 2011, what were you using to hunt down geocaches? A handheld GPS or a cell phone? How were you working back then? We had a, a Garmin Nuvi 855 off the dash of our car, and, and I could uh, figure out how to enter the coordinates and do switch to walking to it, to a compass, to direct us to a cache, and so forth. And probably our first 900-plus caches were logged using that Garmin Nuvi. Yeah, so as the years went by, uh, phones got more accurate. Did you find it easy or hard to make the transition? I found it easy, and I probably adapted quicker than Steve did to using the iPhone. I, I struggled with the iPhone a little bit, and I continued using the Oregon uh, for a period of time, but I made the switch. So what, uh, what's your go-to app for geocaching? We use Cashly. I do have a, an Android phone, and I've uh, loaded the GeoGo on it, and I really would like to become familiar with it and see how it really works. Uh, I think it has possibilities, but I just haven't taken the time to really learn it. Yeah, I mean, it's so full of features. It can take a, take a couple of minutes to get a, get a good grasp on them. I bought an Android just to run GeoGo. It's not my normal phone, but I love all the features on it. And we're lucky enough that Spirit Guide, the developer of the app, uh, is also local to us here in Southwest Missouri. So we will get the chance to talk with him on the show and let him fill us in on some of the tips and features. You found 15,000 caches. Does, do you have a favorite? Does one stick out for you as, as your favorite cache? My favorite cache uh, is called Island of Stone. It's in uh, Lake Erie, and it's uh, a multi-cache, which you have to go to a monument or a uh, tombstone, maybe, or memorial, and, and arrive at the final coordinates. The final coordinates are uh, in a lake, and as you're walking in Lake Erie, as you're walking towards this lake down a stream, it is just uh, 
beautiful, magnificent view. And uh, and then here's this island of sorts looming out of the lake. And it's the day we were there, we were able to walk. The water got up to the soles of our shoes. Uh, I've heard other people talk. I think uh, Chuck, 80196 in Springfield, has been there and uh, he has a great picture of in this kind of silhouette of him on top of this rock uh, on his log. But I think it was up to his uh, shins, uh, the water at that time. It's just a beautiful view, and uh, I think it's rated a 5.5, too. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's a 5.5. The, the GC code, for those of you listening, is GC4, D as in dog, Q as in quotient, Y. X. I want to thank you guys for coming by and, and chatting with us in the studio. Thanks for having us. Oh man, that was a blast. I enjoyed talking to those guys and hearing all their stories. Yeah, me too. <sighs> okay. Well, you know, we've got some more stuff. We've still got Ron with uh, our spirit guide with Geo Go, and we've still got Melissa Joe with bugs, but I have a crazy idea. Oh no. What is your crazy idea? Well, I was thinking, you know, it would be fun is if we just kind of went out, got in the car or the truck and, and went geocaching. Oh, wow. Now that sounds fun. I know. But like, and then we could come back and finish this. I mean, we wouldn't be gone that long. I say let's do it. Okay, we will be right back. So don't leave. Let's go geocaching. <laughs> <laughs> okay so that took a lot longer than i had intended uh we have we went geocaching for a little over four hours not quite five hours we did but we had a lot of fun doing it we did who found the most geocaches i did i think i found 13 well how did you find more than i did uh, we were in a cemetery where you had already found one, and I made you let me find the other one. Yeah, you were tough. Well, Skeet, I appreciate you being with us today. I know you have to go. Uh, we had such a good time with you. Thank you. I really enjoyed being on the show. Now let's talk with our next guest, Melissa Joe from Savage, Minnesota. <laughs> Melissa Joe, how are you? I am great. How are you? Where is it now? I am doing good. Uh, so I've been telling everybody for years about the, about your story because I find it hilarious. So I wanted to call and talk to you in person about it. All right. Well, I know the story you're referring to is the moment I took my daughter to the Minnesota State Fair. We were about halfway um, through our day and all of a sudden she sees this butterfly tent and it's got this huge like monster sized butterflies on the outside of the tent it's green and and yellow and it just says butterfly tent on it and she goes mom and she points at it and she says we have to go inside there and instantly i said yes the, i want to stop you right there because here's what i know about you but i'm going to ask so other people can know how do you feel about butterflies I hate bugs. I'm terrified of all of the bugs. And I've always jokingly said, 
when people are like, you're afraid of bugs, but you're not afraid of butterflies, are you? I mean, they're beautiful. And I say, well, rip the wings off. And (laughs) it's a terribly scary bug, isn't it? So butterflies are not beautiful to me. They're terrifying. What you've always said to me is they're worms with wings. Worms with wings. That's another thing I say about them. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so they're terrifying to me. So she's pointing at this butterfly tent and all excited about wanting to go in there. And since she was born, I always said, I'm going to stop the cycle. In my family, everybody's terrified of bugs. So I knew that there was going to be a moment where our family line would no longer be afraid of them. And it was going to be with my daughter. So ever since she was born, I always would just pretend like bugs are not a scary thing. And then this butterfly tent came. You see a butterfly tent, even though you're terrified of butterflies, you decide you're going to go in. Uh, When you go in, who's in there? A whole bunch of families, lots of children, lots of parents, and a whole bunch of butterflies. Was it like jumping into an ice cold pool all at once or did you stick your toe in first? How'd that go? Yes. So bravely, I'm looking around for my husband thinking that he can take her, right? I can't find him anywhere. So I give this lady our money to enter into this butterfly area. So this, they, they unzip this huge tent and in the beginning of the butterfly tent is what is like a, a corridor area. So it's like uh, zipped on one side and zipped on the other. And it allows so all the butterflies don't fall out or fly out or whatever. And so you go into what I now call the safe zone. <laughs> and you're sitting in there waiting for other families to enter. And as soon as there's enough people in there, this is when they unzip the real part of the tent where you enter into this magical fairy tale land of butterflies. We are on Zoom right now. You're not in the studio. We're on Zoom and your face is getting red. <laughs> is it getting red because you're embarrassed or because you're having hot flashes remembering the fear? Yeah, I think it's PTSD, right? <laughs> <laughs> So as we enter, this man hands everybody a clipboard and he says, on this clipboard is a whole bunch of butterflies. And these butterfly uh, pictures are going to allow you to find a butterfly in the tent and you're going to look for the butterfly and it'll talk about that specific butterfly and the origin of where it's from and just some information. So see how many you can find. (laughs) So we enter the tent. How's your daughter? Is she okay? She is smiling ear to ear. She's super excited. She's holding a clipboard. I'm holding a clipboard. The zipper opens. We take one step in. And I don't remember a thing. What did people tell you happened? Well, the the next thing I actually remember is some gentleman grabbing my arm really tightly and dragging me to the door on the other side of the tent. There's children screaming. There's I'm actually fighting for my life at this point. I'm using the clipboard to swat at butterflies because they were going to kill me, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm using it as a weapon to save myself and my child. Okay, so you've got a guy dragging you out of the tent. Yes. And you're safe now. 
Are you okay once you get out there? I mean, can you breathe? No, I'm hyperventilating. I, <laughs> I, I, my face, as you mentioned, is bright red. My daughter is beside herself. And all I can hear are children in the background <laughs> crying. <laughs> like now they're terrified and scared and trying to figure out what's going on. And now, now I think I probably made about 50 other children terrified of butterflies. You don't think it was just the trauma of seeing a crazy lady killing the butterflies? It could be. I'm like, I wonder how many I killed, those poor things. <laughs> Have you ever been back? No, no, no. And I'm pretty sure that I have passed on the uh, fear of bugs to my 12-year-old now. And uh, she's completely terrified. There was a fly in the room the other day, uh, and she was beside herself. So <laughs> it's like, now we've moved on to the next generation. When I asked you if you've been back since then, can you go back? No. I don't mean, are you physically able I'm pretty sure there's like a do not let this lady back in. And there's like a picture of me on the backside of everybody's clipboard. Yeah. Didn't they, in fact, tell you you could never come back? <laughs> right. So, no, I, I am not allowed to go back in. Yeah. That story never gets old. Thanks for being here with us today. Thanks so much. Where is it now? That was fun. That was Melissa Joe from Savage, Minnesota, sharing her story about worms with wings. Next up, we've got Spirit Guide. Spirit Guide is the founder and creator of the geocaching app GeoGo. Hey, Ron, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thanks. GeoGo is, is an app that's for Android only. Is that correct? Correct. Even though I've always been an iPhone user, when you first created the uh, the ability to really have county maps. I bought an Android phone that I use in conjunction with my iPhone when I geocache. And it's funny, I find myself unable to do without both phones now, not just because of county maps, but because of all the features of GeoGo. You've told me you've got a really big release coming out. Exactly, and you'll be the first to hear it. Oh, that's exciting. This this is breaking news. This is uh, the... It'll be version 11, the next major release of Geo, and I've got some new things coming out in it that no one knows about yet. So let's talk about, let's go down the list of uh, what you have coming out. There's a couple of new things that uh, Groundspeak is doing uh, with their API that's going to be a good thing. Uh, there's a friend's logs. Uh, you know, before people have always talked about, I want to see my, the logs of my friends that I'm with on, uh, with Groundspeak. Now they've added up a, an API, which uh, when you are looking at logs for a particular cache, you can say, just show me my friend's logs. Uh, they've also included uh, an API to get a hold of their um, solution checker <clears throat> for mystery caches. So if you see on their web page, a little box where you can enter the solution, uh, the coordinates for a, a mystery cache, and they'll uh, verify it. Uh, Previously, no apps could get a hold of that web component or page to do anything with it. Uh, it but, you know, Geo was always able to use third-party uh, checkers, and now this will make it easier to in integrate uh, the uh, GroundSpeak uh, HQ checker. 
in, into the app. Other stuff, there's going to be a, uh, a dark mode. Uh, you know, that's kind of a, the fashionable things these days for apps to display uh, mostly dark themes uh, and colors. Some people think that's a, a battery saver, so that all you see is black mostly with white text. And so Geo will let you determine how you uh, implement dark mode, either follow the system or you just permanently turn it on. So it, it looks kind of nice. So if someone prefers that uh, look and feel, they can do that uh, on the app. Another thing that is, this is for Geo art type caches, you know, so there's a, a, a an artwork. The problem was once you solved all those uh, puzzles with the artwork, uh, the locations kind of dispersed, so you don't see the original artwork. Well, now in Geo, you can turn on uh, "Show me all the uh, the uh, original coordinates," so you can do get all the corrections. But you'll see also a, a look kind of a lighter background of the caches that have the uh, original coordinates. So you can look at both the uh, original and see the the art at the same time. You're seeing your corrected coordinates. Uh, there's going to be a, a landscape mode also. So now if you rotate your phone or a tablet in landscape, uh, everything will reorient that into landscape. If you're using a tablet, it's also got a built-in feature to uh, kind of split the screen. So about one-third of the screen on the left side will be kind of the navigation part of the app where you can uh, select uh, content and then the right side will be the detailed uh, data that that is displayed for what you selected on the, on the left. The next big thing was the a, a picture in a picture, uh, which is uh, a way to minimize a little screen and have it overlaid other apps. Uh, this is normally done with uh, the Google Maps uh, navigation. So if you're ever navigating to a cache using Google and you bring up another app, it minimizes the navigation window to a little box in the lower right. And you can, it's like a floating window and you can move that around uh, and then expand it back out to the full screen if need be. And this kind of gives you the option of being able to do multitasking. I'm looking at another app while at the same time I'm navigating. Well, Geo will do this, the same thing with uh, the compass. So if you're on the map and you've got the compass taking you to a cache and you bring up another app, it will also minimize to a little box and you see the compass. So if you wanted to play Pokemon at the same time you are walking and getting to a cache, you can have them both up at the same time and uh, Geo's compass is just overlaid the, the Pokemon screen. Uh, another big thing is uh, Android watches. So any watch that has uh, Wear OS on it. <clears throat> now the app will recognize you have a connected watch and you can do several things with that. First of all, there's a, a neat little watch face that has a Geo logo uh, on it with you know the hands overlaying it. And in the middle of the watch, there's a little smiley face. If you press the smiley face, it will go out and get your uh, daily stats uh, finds. Uh, along with that, you can also show the cache on the watch. Uh, so you uh, select a cache and say show on the watch 
and it will bring up the map on the watch and show you your location, show you the cash location, show you the, the, the cash icon and a, uh, a red line that connects both of those. And then you can also bring up the compass on the watch. So it, it flips between the compass and the map. The big advantage of this is if you are out hiking and you need both hands with like a hiking stick or something, and you don't want to be carrying your phone while you're navigating through some brush, you can just send it down to watch and let your watch be the compass uh, to navigate. Yeah, th this could be one of those uh, neat little things that uh, you didn't realize it would be so valuable until you start using it. Wow, that that was a ton of information. Originally, we had just planned on having you on to uh, kind of give us a tip or a trick in the GeoGo app, but gosh, we're lucky enough to be the first to hear about uh, version 11 coming out soon. So that's pretty exciting. I can't wait to uh, get a chance to play with it. Thanks again. You just listened to the first episode of the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast. Thanks to Joseph McCade, the creator of most of the music that you heard today, and also to all our guests. See you next time.